Sacred Feminine. It is Wednesday, so it must be uh, VSF night. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your listener loyalty. Uh, I know there's an awful lot of choices out there, so uh, I appreciate uh, the new listeners uh, and old as well. And, uh, you know, if you're like me, uh, you uh, your main priority right now is just beating the heat. Uh, as I've uh, come to say lately, uh, when people say, how are you doing, I'm saying I'm just trying not to melt. I honestly can't recall when it's ever been uh, so hot for so long, and uh, uh, it certainly is exhausting. So wherever you are, I hope you are managing to stay comfortable uh, and hydrated, and, um, you know, I've taken to this little trick of uh, wetting my T-shirts and wearing them around the house or uh, twisting some fabric and wetting it, sticking it in in the freezer, and then I'll wrap it around my neck or wrap it around my head. Uh, Those things help. Uh, Or take a a big uh, two-gallon jug of water, freeze it, make a huge ice cube out of it, and put it by a little fan right on your coffee table right in front of you and make yourself a personal air conditioner. That will work for a little while. So anyway, um, I'm going to try to forget about how hot it is and uh, focus on uh, tonight's show, which uh, I'm so happy to be bringing you. And uh, it certainly couldn't be more appropriate, uh, especially in this climate of uh, uh, Time's Up and Me Too and um, all the violence and abuse that women have been enduring for so, so very long under patriarchy. Uh, tonight's show uh, is, a, is a faithful response to violence against women uh, and girls, and uh, my guest uh, is Gwen um, G. Board, and uh, of the uh, she's a founder and president of the G. Board Center, um, and. Uh, uh, the the center uh, is here in Los Angeles, and you know it's the culmination of nearly two decades of work and solidarity with leaders of many faiths and traditions, uh, exploring and upholding uh, the experience and the president of the, uh, presence of the holy. Uh, tonight we'll uh, chat with Gwen. Uh, about uh, how that looks in the real world, uh, with particular emphasis on their program, Saving Grace 2, uh, which is a continuation of a faithful response uh, to violence against women and girls. You know, we'll talk about uh, the distortion of scriptures uh, from, you know, the West and the East, uh, where the Sikhs and the Baha'is fit in there. Uh, Gwen will also tell us about uh, this PSA that uh, her organization did uh, called Men of uh, 
faith speak out, which was part of the healing process. Um, and uh, Reverend Gwen is, uh, wow, a lady with a lot of accomplishments under her belt. Uh, she served as president of uh, numerous boards, including the Interreligious Council of Southern California, uh, the California Council of Churches, the National Board of the Interfaith Alliance, Progressive Christians Uniting. Uh, she was co-chair of the Christian Muslim uh, cons uh, consultative uh, consultative group. Uh, she's the recipient of a number of awards, including the Muslim Peace Award from the Islamic Center of Southern California, the Mahatma Gandhi Award for the Advancement of Religious Pluralism from the Hindu American Foundation, the annual World Interfaith Leader Award from the National Association of Interchurch and Interfaith Families, uh, also, uh, she's the recipient of an appreciation for faithful contributions to the ecumenical and interfaith communities of Southern California from the Southern California Ecumenical Council, and those are just a few. Um, this is uh, one busy lady uh, doing wonderful work out there in the world at a time when, um, you know, we only seem to hear the voices on the other end of things. Um, you know, the loud, divisive voices, and um, uh, it is my great pleasure and honor to have her with me tonight so uh, we can give her just another platform uh, to talk about the good that's actually uh, being done uh, for women and girls and, um, you know, how groups can actually uh, come together uh, on common ground and uh, accomplish good things. You know, it's not all bad news out there. So, um, Reverend Gwen, uh, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Karen, so much for having me. I feel very privileged to uh, spend uh, uh, some precious time with you, and and uh, I, I greet all of your, your listeners. And uh, so I'm delighted and happy to be with you and, and also very grateful. Well, thank you. Um, you know, thank you so much. And um, uh, so the uh, the G Board Center. And uh, again, if I'm mispronouncing this, you won't hurt my feelings correcting me. Uh, <laughs> why don't you tell us? Um, you know, you you've uh, been doing this for two decades. Um, tell us uh, how you started the center. Uh, you know, what sort of work it's been doing, and um, and how it got involved with the issue of women and violence. Well, uh, thank you uh, very much for that. And, and uh, it's Gibord, uh, not Gibord. That would be very, very French. It is a Canadian-French uh, last name. But if you think keyboard, just add the Gibord, uh, you have the correct pronunciation of the name. And thank you for your graciousness in allowing me to correct that. Uh, the Gibord Center was um, initiated, was begun, inaugurated, in February of 2011, so we are now into our well into our seventh year. Just prior to beginning the center, I was the uh, interfaith consultant for the Episcopal Church in the United States, as well as at the same time I was ecumenical and interfaith officer for the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles. I am an Episcopal uh, priest. My contract with both of these entities um, was concluded about the same time, 
And I didn't want to re-up with the National Church because there was a great deal of travel that was involved. And after a while, that gets relatively old. So I had made um, connections uh, all over the world of um, people who were involved in interfaith endeavors. And I thought, you know, uh, the timing is right for me to begin a center, uh, which I did in 2011. And it is called the Keyboard Center, hyphen religion inside out. Our mission is to bring people together to challenge assumptions, unleash the holy, and affirm the faith that transforms the world. Um, we do about 12 to 14 programs a year. Uh, every program that we have is filmed, uh, and once edited, is put up on our website. Every program that we offer is also live streamed, and every program that we offer is free, no charge, to anybody who wishes to come and be with us. What's important to me, Karen, is that the word gets out about uh, the challenging assumptions that we have about other people, other cultures, other faiths, and it is particularly relevant in this time in which we are currently living where um, there are great mystifications and um, really harsh words that are being said about um, the Muslim community, about many, many other communities. And uh, we are all children of the holy. Whatever discipline we have to practice uh, with our prayers, which are celebrations or worship, And I think that it's vitally important that we continue to be witness to one another uh, toward that of recognizing the holy in one another. And so toward that end, with the programs that we do, we have major events. You you spoke to Saving Grace, uh, which we did in 2014, um, a faithful response to violence against women and girls. We have keynote speakers that I bring in, um, principally from the United States. And then we have had ongoing series where we invite people to speak Gudwara to learn about scripture, where we invite people to a majid or a mosque to learn about symbols and rituals or to a Buddhist temple. And before that particular program that we might do, to those who are coming, we share with people what is the proper protocol or behavior for being in a mosque, for being in a sikh or being in a Buddhist temple, in a Jewish synagogue, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think that it's important that the more we know about one another, the more likely we are to stand with one another in times of great difficulty and to celebrate with one another in times of great joy. And I'm convinced I I just want to add one more thing, and that is I'm convinced that we have far more in common than not, even though there are distinct differences between the various different faith communities. 
Um, I, I agree. I agree. I I think um, I I, it, I think it's I, you know you talked about challenging assumptions and um, you know if all we do is listen to the news, if we listen to our president's tweets, uh, if we look at some of the ugly on Facebook and social media, um, I think we might come away with the assumption that. Um, you know, the spiritual world, the religious world, uh, is no longer the social witness it once was, uh, maybe some decades ago, uh, to, you know, kind of hold, uh, you know, humanity's feet to the fire, uh, uh, corporate feet to the fire, um, uh, you know, our government's feet to the fire. Uh, it, you know, it, it all just seems like it's um, crumbling and has no, uh, no heart, no humanity anymore. Uh, you know, when we see prosperity gospels, when we see Jesus treated like a commodity, when we see people who are supposed to be for uh, family values, you know, separating kids at the border and drugging, mm. uh, drugging kids and all the rest. You know, we, we, you know, we, we have, are hearing it. I don't need to repeat it. But the point I'm trying to uh, make, and I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, um, can we be hopeful, in your opinion, that uh, f- for some reason we are just getting all the negative and there is really a lot of common ground happening out there? It's just not the stuff that's making the news. Well, I, I think that's absolutely right. You know, for every person out there who is um, having issues with Muslims or or um, um, fabricating lies about different faiths or religious uh, communities and actually believing in the lies, uh, I think there are an equal number of people who are really out there doing very, very important work to um, combat against that in a very, very positive way. I think ultimately, ultimately, the American people uh, have profound values and are working hard to uh, maintain that moral compass that is based on the teachings uh, of their of their faith or religion. And there are, you know, a whole lot of people who have uh, no faith and yet are profoundly decent and and good people. So I, I think it's very important for us as a collective to focus on all of the good that is happening because the, the, the bad stuff can seem very, very overwhelming. There is always hope where there are people of goodwill, and there is a Do lot of goodwill out there. Do you have a theory uh, about why we never hear the good? I mean, do you think it's by design? I think that bad news sells. I think it sells. I think it's an economic thing. Um, it's just like, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of money in war. A lot of money. People profit tremendously off of war. Just as, um, you know, good news is, is not, uh, it doesn't sell, it, unfortunately. Right. 
But I think, yeah, I think well, what you know, you're doing with with your show is is very positive. And there are, you know, there are other things that are happening out there that are also very positive. Well, you know, and maybe I'm just being cynical, but I almost wonder <laughs> if it isn't de- designed to keep us divided. Uh, so that we don't stand shoulder to shoulder and come together and fight the real enemies. Um, uh, you know, again, you know, maybe I'm paranoid, maybe I'm cynical, but sometimes I can't help but think that. Well, I, I understand why people would think that because there's there's a fair amount of evidence to support that. But I also think that there are people who are doing everything they can by giving financially to various different causes, by being involved. You know, I mean, it's been years and years and years since we've seen people out in the streets with huge numbers of people fighting for immigrants or um, uh, all the, the, you know, um, 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 fighting for the inclusion of people, uh, fighting for uh, what's happening with uh, refugees, we haven't seen people out in the streets gathering huge, huge numbers of people like this. It's, it's almost like, in some ways, a rebirth of the best of what happened in the 60s. Uh, yeah, and that was maybe. a time of tremendous conflict in this country. Uh, I think that people are, are very aware of um, that there is discrimination in this country with regard to culture and race and sexual orientation and are really working hard to uh, lobby with uh, legislators, et cetera, to uh, put an end to that. So I, I remain very hopeful. I think that, you know, sometimes you need to crash in order to come out of it whole. And... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a. I, I may not get this correct, but uh, that that we are wounded in order to allow the holy to come in to heal us, and uh, I think that tends to be true. And right now, we tend to be collectively a wounded people. I think people are very, very, very frightened right now. They're frightened, yeah, and they're really scared, and so. What we need to do is to temper that by saying we are with you. We will stand with you. We will be in the streets to support you. We will see to it that those people get elected who are going to do the same. So I do think that there is an awful lot, a tremendous amount of good that's going on in the collective. We have to keep hope alive. Otherwise, we'll forget it. Well, I and, and I appreciate that perspective. Um, and, you know, and it's good to be reminded that, uh, you know, of all the people that we do see fighting against the injustices, uh, because I think maybe we tend to see the glasses half empty rather than acknowledging the fact that uh, so many people have gotten off the couch. Um, you know, so many people are out there doing their own thing, um, uh, you know, trying to raise awareness and uh, in ways that it just wasn't happening a few years ago. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, so 
you know, I, I, myself included and, and for my listeners, you know, maybe we can, you know, try to, um, you know, see this as uh, uh, maybe the dark before the dawn kind of a thing, um, you know. Um, so, uh, so Gwen, uh, tell me how uh, you specifically took on the issue of, of women and violence. Is that sort of... Um, just one of the many things that the the uh, the uh, the center is working on, or is it like the primary focus? No, it's not the primary focus. We have, I would say, three very important initi- what I would refer to as initiatives. Now, that's uh, that's not to dismiss at all the other work that we do in building community by taking people to a Sikh Gurdwara or a Buddhist temple or a synagogue or a mosque uh, at all uh, to, to learn more about these various different faith communities. The three initiatives that we have are women, violence against women and girls. The second initiative is surrounding um, animals, faith, and compassion and the third is uh, regarding youth and young people because I think part of the responsibility of inter- any interfaith leader is to know that, um, you know, we're not going to be around forever and we have to instill in young people the love of interfaith work and the generosity of being with people who are not of your own faith or religion. When you were talking, I I want to go back to something that you said earlier, Karen, about the heat. And I, too, have have grave concern for people who don't have a way to get away from the heat, particularly people who don't have um, a respite with air conditioning. But the other thing that I'm really concerned about is the animals out there. And a lot of that, I, I would ask your listeners to be aware that domesticated cats and dogs are running around in a fursuit and to protect them, to keep them hydrated as well because we tend to forget that these are part of God's creation and we need to, to care for them as much as we care for, work to care for ourselves in this tremendous heat that we're, we've been having. Yeah, yeah, that it that is important. Uh I I've actually taken to giving my cat a few droppers full of water uh every day to make sure uh yeah. she's you know she's she's getting more than just uh uh you know what what she goes to and uh and takes herself cuz right. I'm actually worried if she if she's uh you know if she's getting enough water. Um but you know Good. but you but it is important, you know, you said about, you know, you bring people to, you know, temples, synagogues, um, you know, to help you know help raise awareness about these other faiths, and uh, I think that that's so important because it takes the fear out. I know I met you yes. um, earlier this year because you were doing yes. uh, a, you know an event where you were teaching people about uh, you know what Wicca and paganism and goddess spirituality yes. um, you know was all about because you know like so many of the other religions, that's the spirituality that's you know, there's so much disinformation, um, you know, out there uh, about it as well. And, uh, you know, if we can take the fear 
out of things. I mean, I, I think how the uh, the gay and lesbian movement was so successful when, um, you know, they started making the mainstream world, if you will. I'll just use that phrase. It's probably not the best phrase. But it made the non-gay and lesbian world realize that they were their neighbors and their coworkers and totally took the fear out of, um, yeah. You know, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, people who weren't heterosexual, and you know, right. and I think you know, it, it's kind of doing the same thing with with um, with religion. Um, and I, I know I've been, my husband and I were lucky enough to, when we were part-time travel agents to travel to other countries, and you know, I, I became you know, uh, really aware very quickly how when you actually can rub shoulders with other people, suddenly they're not other. You know, suddenly they're, you know, they're mothers and daughters and, you know, people with the same sorts of needs and desires. And, you know, it's a little bit harder to drop bombs on them, you know, or, uh, you know, do things, uh, you know, do things to other people that, uh, uh, you know, that, that you have some connection with. Yes, I, I think that's absolutely correct, and uh, I think it's very, very important that we find the courage to go into a mosque, or if we're not Muslim, or to go into a synagogue if we're not Jewish, or to go into a Gurdwara if we're not a Sikh, or a Buddhist temple if we're not a Buddhist, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, you know, that's what we're very intent on, on doing, because as I said earlier on, we have far more in common than not. And, you know, we, we all have the same issues, no matter uh, the name of the deity or not that we look to for moral, our moral compass in the world. You know, there are issues of getting sick. Um, there are all the transitions in life of, you know, being a 12-year-old and all of a sudden, you know, you're becoming a woman or... You're becoming a, a, um, a man, a, a, a guy, or issues of health, uh, issues of employment, unemployment, uh, issues of aging, issues of rearing children. All faiths experience the same challenges in, in, in today's world uh, and in this country. So I, I think it's very important that we... Recognize that. I mean, you were you were speaking of uh, Facebook uh, earlier, and um, there have been some horrible things on Facebook where a woman is in line to check out, and another person will take that person on because they're a person of color, or because they're as a Muslim female they're wearing a hijab or a, a head covering, and you know of. Go back to this. Go back to your own country. Uh, speak English. Uh, you know this is America. You don't belong here. And that simply cannot be allowed. What makes us great is our diversity, is our differences. And I, I think we need to to uh, really, really keep that in mind. And when I see that kind of stuff on Facebook, I'm praying for the person who is the attacker because they yeah. are missing out on something so precious 
and not knowing who that person of color is or who that person who is speaking Spanish is or who that woman who is wearing a hijab, they're missing out on really acknowledging them as a creation of the holy. They're missing out. So you know, I'm praying for that person more than I'm praying for the right. person. I'm praying also praying for the person that's attacked. But I think the other person that we need we need to really hold in prayer and to not polarize from them, but to hold them in prayer for their deep understanding of the humanity yeah. that exists. Yeah, because I mean, look, the re- I, I guess the reality is, I mean, look, I'm no expert. You, I'm sure you can speak to it better than I. I mean, that's why I invited you here. But you know, I think we have a tendency to want to demonize the person who uh, is maybe uh, perpetrating, you know, such ugly sort of, um, uh, you know, things as you described. Uh, when really we can't reach them if we do that. You know, we have to find a way to reach out to them as well. And, I mean, what do you tell people? I mean, what is the best way to, um, I don't know, I mean, it's not like you can heal everyone or reach everyone. Um, But, uh, you know, how do you manage to... Um, you know, keep a positive um, attitude about someone like that other than, you know, just logically knowing that if we ostracize them, uh, we don't accomplish anything. Well, I, I, to go back to the line, okay, of, of, a, of a person attacking a person of color or a woman wearing a hijab or whatever it might be, you know, they're using food stamps, whatever, whatever. The, the attacker is a very frightened human being. They're really frightened that their position uh, in this country, principally as a white person, is going to somehow be disempowered by the person of color. I, I think that I think people when they do that ugly stuff are really reacting out of fear of being displaced of being displaced, of being forgotten, or being dismissed because they are fearful that the person of color or the Muslim woman wearing a hijab is going to somehow become more powerful than they are. And I I there, it, it, we have to be aware that when people do that, I would suggest you don't have to. One does not have to, but I would suggest that one recognize if you're from that person. And you know, I've I've been praying to be in a line like that and to, and to witness that happening because I know that I would step in between the person of color and the person who is attacking, I would step in between them and I would look at the attacker and I would say, I want you to know that you are loved by the holy as much as this person behind me. would completely dismantle them. Uh, completely dismantle them. Uh, right. And so, I, yeah, I, I, I really think that what's, I've, been, I've been kind of praying to be in that situation. Uh, and I yeah. would hope that my presence in that moment would bring healing to 
to both to both parties. I, I don't I don't mean I I truly, Karen, don't mean to sound arrogant in that. It's just that I no I, I, right. I think you're not coming off yeah. No, you're not. You're not yeah. coming off that way, and and I think what you're saying yeah. is important. Um, I mean, it would take a lot of courage for you to do that, and who knows how the attacker would respond. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, you may make them think and walk away uh, with some food for thought, or they may attack you. Who knows? Um, right. But it's but it's true. I mean, um, look, I find. I mean, I'll be honest. You know, uh, you know, I, I'm certainly not perfect. And I have to stop myself sometimes when I see people saying stupid or hateful things. You know, the first inclination is to write these people off, uh, you know, Absolutely. as if they're hopeless. And um, but but I realize that uh, we can't come together doing that. And uh, I mean, there's been all of these studies about um, you know we, we have different size amygdalas, and you know uh, and you know and, and I'm talking in broad generalities here. But the studies I've read said say that liberals and conservatives have different amygdalas. The conservatives tend to uh, I think theirs are smaller and they're more fearful, and that's why they tend to not be risk takers and they like things to stay the same and and you know so there's there's um there's that you know working um i i think maybe against folks as 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 well you know uh maybe it's the nature nurture thing conditioning how they've been brought up i mean i was brought up in the south and i will say you know here on on live radio that you know, I grew up a racist because I didn't know any better because everybody around me was a racist. I actually thought Rush Limbaugh had had things worthwhile to say uh, because I didn't have any context. And, you know, yeah. and, and so I, I can look back now and you know, maybe have some empathy um, if, or compassion for maybe other people who don't have, have never had the opportunity to have a, a different perspective or understand why things are the way they are or, I don't know, does that make any sense? It, it does make sense, and I do understand that. And, you know, I think the, if the truth be, cold, be told, I think there's racism in all of us that we don't, we just don't, are unable to recognize, um, you know. But I want to say that living in today's world, because I understand the reaction that you're talking about of just wanting to just, you know, lambast someone who's acting out like that. Living in today's world that is fractured really requires tremendous discipline. It requires discipline to be thoughtful, meaningful of thought, to live into the compassion of all of our faith or religious traditions. Now, I also want to say, and I, I, I want to be really clear about this, there are times when we need to be very judicious about when we step in and we don't, because there are a lot of gun-toting people out there that are, right. you know, committed to having to be right and I, I think that it's it's we need to be very thoughtful and, and judicious about when we're willing to step up to the moment and when we might place ourselves in in jeopardy. 
Um, you know, yeah. it's, it's it, there. There are a lot of really unhealthy, meaning, dangerous people are out there that uh, pose themselves as being religious people uh, who are not adhering to the teachings of Jesus Christ or the great prophets in the Jewish traditions or tradition or, you know, uh, uh, Guru Nanak, the great guru of Sikhism or the Buddha or, you know, all of that. Uh, have, have really not living into those wonderful, great teachings, and um, right. I think I think it's important for us as a humanity to to read those teachings. I mean, you know, uh, how many people ever uh, learn about the sutras or the the uh, 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 Upanishads, the Hinduism or the sutras with with Buddhism, it's, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, um, sayings and, and traditions and moral precepts that right. you know we really all have in common. So I think it's very, very important to be aware of that and to challenge the assumptions that we hold about one another. Um, Gwen, we're going to take a break. Um, I'm a little bit uh, past the due for this. We're going to take a break for just okay. a minute. Uh, and sure. uh, we're going to come back, and, and uh, I want to uh, get back to the women and violence things a bit, okay. um, uh, specifically yeah. referring to the distortion of scriptures uh, in the East and okay. West. And I think in the, but the Sikhs and Baha'is have been exceptions, uh, if, if, if I'm reading this correctly. So we'll come back to that uh, in in just a moment, uh, if uh, wonderful, if if you will, okay, thank you. I have to do that. The psychic state of the collective unconscious, which is that consciousness of the planet, what's called the chronic mind, the mind of the earth. Our ancestors understood that the animal and divine were all connected; they were together. That there wasn't a separation. That's what we are trying to return to is that sense that our animal nature is divine. It doesn't get in the way of the divine. It gets us closer to it. What's your idea of being fully alive as a human being? Because that's what's really spiritual. Write it down. Start writing your own Bible if you want. That's the sacred. And by that, I just mean sweaty, fun, happy sex. Well, you've been listening to the trailer for Dancing with Gaia, which is Joe Carson's feature-length documentary film. Uh, in it, she interviews 15 visionaries and teachers about Earth energy, sacred sexuality, and the return of goddess as Gaia. Well, you might not have realized, but Joe traveled to ancient sacred sites all over Europe and the Mediterranean to shoot this film. These spiritual sites from northern Scotland to central Turkey profoundly affected the origins of Western culture. 
So if you've always wanted to see these sites yourself but hadn't, this is an opportunity to experience some of the best ones and get their story. The DVD comes packaged with a 45-page color mini-book, which goes even deeper into the material. And you know, it's really a bargain because you can buy the DVD and the booklet for only $20, and you can get it direct from Joe Carson at her website, dancingwithgaia.com, dancingwithgaia.com. Um, so um, if you're just tuning in or just as a reminder, um, Tonight I have with me Dr. Gwen uh, G. Board. With, uh, she's the president and founder of the uh, G. Board Center uh, and uh, uh, Religion Inside Out. And um, we're talking about uh, diversity and finding common ground and uh, women and violence. And uh, uh, we wanted to uh, talk about the distortion of the scriptures uh, in the West and the East. Uh, Gwen, is this what um, allows people to, these distortions, is this what allows them to cherry pick and maybe commit the atrocities that they feel is the word of God? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, there are some uh, texts of the Hebrew Bible or the Tanakh of, uh, of um, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Holy Quran of uh, Islam. Uh, there are texts that we find in the epistles of the, um, of the, uh, the New Testament or the Christian part of the, of the Bible that are very clearly uh, negative about women and girls. Now, having said that, I also want to add a very, very, uh, I think, um, important perspective, which is this. Um, All of us, all of us, whether we're male or female, young or old, uh, whatever religion uh, or faith we practice, see the world and interpret scripture through a filter. And often that filter, uh, based on our own situation, and I want to speak a minute about the filter, uh, interprets how we read uh, sacred texts. By a filter, I mean, if you would imagine a screen, um, like a screen that you would have on your window, on that or that filter are some very true facts about each individual. For example, sex, sexual orientation, age, economic background, where you grew up. You were talking about you grew up in the South, Karen. Uh, um, Economic situation today, uh, political affiliation, religious affiliation, and through that filter, we view the world, and we often view texts, and there are some pretty nasty texts in in all of the sacred uh, scriptures that are very, very clear about um, encouraging violence against women and girls. It's what we do with it today that is important. 
the other thing that I want to say before we launch into uh, your specific question is that I don't know, I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong, of any priest or rabbi or imam that is speaking to these texts that are blatantly um, um, violent in nature about women and girls. I've never heard a sermon from the pulpit about decrying these texts. So I think it's very, very important to say to people who are faith or religious leaders, you have a responsibility to study the text, really study the text. And if the text is blatantly uh, um, violent, of, of decrying that violence and saying, you know, that was written in the context of a specific era in history. And that uh, from a specific part of the world that is not um, germane to today. So I think it's very, it's called a hermeneutic, looking at the text from a worldview of today, which was very, very different from 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago. Very, very, very different. So it's important to put a text in a historical geographic context that is not pursuant to today's modern world. And that needs to be decried. So. Well, let, let, me just, uh, let me just interject something here, a question. Um, if we, taking what you just said, which is so very important, and I, uh, how could I not agree, um, you made me think uh, the people who don't, have the courage to do that, to decry these horrible scriptures and and say we are evolved and this will not do uh, in 2018. Um, I, I, I can't help but go back to something we said earlier. You know, when we were talking about white people or uh, maybe Christians who are afraid of uh, brown-skinned people or people who wear hijabs, you know, they think they're losing their standing. Um, I, I have wondered if um, men uh, just simply don't want to, sh- you know, to share leadership. You know, they want to continue, uh, you know, that they are willfully, um, you know, willfully perpetuating uh, these these atrocities simply to retain power. Um, and, you know, maybe, the, you know, my listeners will go, well, of course, Karen. Um, but <laughs> but if that were the case, that would mean these spiritual leaders were committing an egregious crime. You know, for personal power, they would, you know, perpetuate suffering and injustice and inequality and, uh, you know, uh, domestic violence, all the rest. Well, I... Yes, I think there's a great deal of truth with that. But you know, I think it's also important to acknowledge that women allow it. Yeah. Women allow that. So I, I think it's very, very important that uh, one, not all women. I, I, I don't, I don't want um, um, to absolutely. No, we get that. Yeah, we okay. get that. So. I, and I think that it is an issue of uh, education 
and of really doing serious scriptural studies, no matter what the uh, sacred context is. Now, interestingly enough, uh, Karen, and I, I think it's very important to, um, to uh, add this in our conversation right now. So I, I think it's important to acknowledge the Me Too movement because the story of the Me Too movement, are, are, they're not anything new. This, is, this stuff has been going on how long? Okay, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. What's new about the Me Too movement is the response to it. And the response to it is that uh, more and more women are coming out, so to speak, and sharing without shame their Me Too experience. And powerful men are being held uh, to account with uh, the women sharing their stories. That is, that has never happened before. That's very positive. We were talking about keeping hope alive. That's very hopeful, that women are talking about their experiences, about being, not all women, but many, many women. And women in power are talking about their experience of of being sexually abused or being uh, raped or being um, uh, um, um, their 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 gifts as a, a person uh, being held down because they were female. More and more women are talking about their experiences, and the men who abuse them, if they're men, are being held accountable. We've seen a lot of people have to resign their positions, and give up that power base. That's very different, very unique that is happening uh, in today's uh, culture and world. I think it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of those positive, uh, you know, things we can look to when we're feeling like we're we're losing hope or, or losing the battle. I, I think that uh, right. um, that is very relevant. Very relevant. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it does. I, I do get the feeling. I mean, we even have that great show, Dietland, that was on TV. I mean, finally, I felt <laughs> like there was the, yeah. the, there, there were my people there, yes, <laughs> you know, wonderful. talking about, yeah, ta- yeah. you know, talking about subjects that, you know, we, uh, you know, talk about amongst ourselves, out, you know, here on primetime television. Um, you yeah. know, I, I, I thought that was, you know, pretty incredible. So, so Gwen, it, um, why are the Sikhs and the Baha'is exceptions? Um, did, have they gotten it right all along? Where the you know no, the other big know, three I, I, have have failed. Okay. Well, um, uh, Sikhism and Baha'is, uh, Guru Nanak was the um, I, w- I want to say the the spiritual uh, leader that created Sikhism. Baha'u'llah is the uh, the spiritual leader, the Bab. Of creating um, the um, uh, God, I just lost the I just lost uh, the um, oh shoot, help me, Karen. The, uh, the ah. are we, we're talking about 
the Sikhs and the Baha'is. Yeah, the Baha'is. Thank you very much. It's also true of the Brahma Kumaras, uh, which are an interesting group of people. They, those uh, spiritual leaders, uh, when the Baha'u'llah who created the Baha'is, uh, Guru Nanak, who uh, was a spiritual founder of Sikhism, really from the beginning spoke and wrote about the equality of men and women. And that has um, really transmuted down to today's followers. And you, when, when you're with these communities, you really see it. You really experience the generosity of male to female and, and uh, female to male. And it's, it's, it's really joyful to uh, be around. So that comes from the spiritual leaders who created these different uh, these uh, faith uh, traditions? So, do in in if you're a Sikh or you're a Baha'i, uh, there are women spiritual leaders. Um, it's not just you know male dominated. No, it is not uh, male dominated. Um, uh, there are we have some people on the advisory uh, council that are really. Uh, um, just wonderful and really take uh, leadership uh, positions. And, you know, there's that, there's always that pull within a group to, I mean, which we're, we're trained in this culture uh, to, for men to dominate. We're all, we're all trained in it. And so uh, there's, you know, men are the people who go out and, and earn the money. Women are the people who stay home and rear the children. They have the children, rear the children. And uh, I don't see as much of that in these communities that we have uh, spoken of. Okay. Well, and and uh, and, and I I, I want to ask about this too, because especially within the goddess community, you know, one of the things that. Um, you know, in, in feminist theology, you know, one of the things we talk about is, um, you know, sex and our bodies and all of that, you know, sacred sexuality, all of that became taboo uh, under patriarchy. Um, did the Sikhs and the Baha'is manage to escape that too, or do they have the similar you know, taboos about, um, you know, uh, you know, sex and menstruation and all of that, that, uh, you know, the, the big three patriarchal religions tend to perpetuate. I, I, I don't think that it's an issue uh, that, that has to be dealt with because it simply is. So when it is, you don't need to, you know, parse it out and have these profound, deep conversations about it. It is. It simply is. There is equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so okay. when there is equality, you, you just you don't need to have those conversations. It's uh, a non-issue. I, I th- it's a non-issue. Yeah, thank you. That's a, that's yeah. a wonderful term to use with that. Okay. It is a non-issue. So let me ask you about the PSA, Men of Faith Speak Out. Um, right. Tell me yeah. about um, how important it was to have men actually, uh, you know, being the ones that uh, speak to this and, and it not just always be women's voices. Well, the, the Gee Board Center uh, 
is very committed to not politicizing and not polarizing. Because the second that I politicize, I've made the other person wrong. And yet, Saving Grace, the facial response to violence against women and girls, was very political without... It's odd. It was political without being political, if you get what I mean. Um, And we do not want to polarize. Saving Grace, a faithful response to violence against women and girls, was not about making men bad or wrong, because there are many, many men that are, um, you know, really live in equality with their partner or their spouse and revere Uh their daughter. And so we wanted to have the PSA, which was done as um, a preliminary before we actually did the program in 2014 as a um, uh, marketing thing of showing men across the faith perspective with their sons, with them. So there was a Sikh and his son. There was a a Jewish man and his son. There was a Christian and his son. There was a Hindu and his son. There was a, a indigenous and his uh, son. Across the board, it was very, very important that we not polarize and that we have people experience that um, there were men who were very supportive of women, of women's rights, of uh, being living in equality with their uh, spouses, their partners, their daughters. We did not want to polarize and make men bad and wrong. It would. It just. That's not who the keyboard center is. It's not what we do. We don't polarize, or we 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 do not want to make other people bad or wrong. And it's sometimes it's hard, as we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But we're very, very dedicated to that. And also we're very dedicated of everything that we do is run through the mission statement. If it doesn't fit the mission statement, we don't do it. So yeah. I'm, I'm really proud that seven and a half years later we're still maintaining that. So let me ask you, especially you know with uh, you know with the Me Too movement, the Times Up movement, is um, is the Men of Faith Speak Out PSA still running? And if not, should you revive it? Well, that's a good question. We're we're the Saving Grace, a faith response to violence against women and girls, was done in 2014, and I'm doing a um, version of that. Uh, this coming November, November the 10th, uh, it will be called Saving Grace Me Too. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's the, the filming, whatever we do, is, it tends to be very, very costly. I think the, the PSA works as well today as it did in, in 2014. Uh, for your listeners, uh, um, all of this is up on the Gboard Center's website. With your permission, Karen, I'd like to give that website. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Go right ahead, please. Okay. So it's www.thegboard, G-U-I-B-O-R-D, center, C-E-N-T-E-R, dot org. This is under initiative. Uh, it's called uh, Women, um, it, it, the, the 
as I said, there were three major initiatives. This is one of our big initiatives. This is uh, a program that we did is there. The PSA that men did is there that can be seen. Uh, and we were very, very blessed to have Dr. Amy Jo Levine, who is a professor at Vanderbilt. I had her out as a speaker, and she talked about the Bible, Women and Violence. It's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant talk. That's up on the website. So uh, I invite you all to, um, with great humility, to go to that, the website and check it out. And to come on November well, the 10th. Um, yeah. Um, so where is, uh, well, I'm sure that you can find the details on the website, but go ahead and mention um, where will this be held at on November 10th? It will be at St. John's a Cathedral. Uh, and um, St. John's Cathedral is at 514 West Adams Boulevard. It's very near uh, USC. And it will now that's be, the same uh, place you did the pagan event, right? The pagan goddess event. It is event. exactly the same place, right. And the event will be on a Saturday, November 10th, from 2 to 4 uh, in the afternoon. And we invite all of your listeners to come in and be with us. Well, that that sounds like uh, a, a, a good thing to uh, put our energy into, uh, for sure. Um, so, what is um, what is the ritual of healing? Well, it was um, it was it was when we did it in 2014. It was it was absolutely profound, uh, and the place was packed. We did it at St. John's. We had women talk, uh, and this is up on the website, talk about the, the scriptures that are, are devastating uh, and um, to give hope within that. We had uh, two women who had been um, very badly ab- abused uh, sexually tell their story, which was enormously courageous of them. We gave out uh, pieces of paper to those who were attending to write on it that which they needed to give up that night. It was at night. And um, the people who had been in the program were, we had um, pashmina scarves that we had um, made, and on the scarves was was put in print, you are, I am a beloved child of a holy hyphen always. People came up and put the, what they had written on a piece of paper into this, um, um, the, it's a, a, kind of like a pit, or it was on the platform uh, at St. John's. And as they came forward, each was wrapped with one of these scars, I am a beloved child of the holy hyphen always and given a blessing by the women that had participated. And there are photos of it up on the, up on the website. And then I did a statement, and I lit on fire that which people needed to give up that night. It was people, Karen, I'm telling you, people did not want to leave when it was over with. Uh, people were um, profoundly moved, and um, I heard from uh, people 
afterward he contacted me privately and said it was very difficult for me to go to that, but something changed within me for the better as a result of having uh, been there. And, you know, when you, when you work and work and work on something and you're expending all this money to have it happen and then it happens and to hear comments like that is like, mm. thank you, God. It worked and people were healed. And there were men there too, by the way. And there was a fellow that was sitting in about the fourth row and he is Jewish. And when he heard the stories of these two women who shared their very, very private story, he put his hand in, his head in his hands, and he was rocking back and forth, sobbing, sobbing. And he, it, it, I spoke with him afterward, and I wanted to make sure that he was okay. And he said it was devastating to hear those stories, and, and it was such a blessing for us all to be together. And, yeah. you know, comments that about, you know, the... the as difficult as the work is and some of the things that we take on are, are not easy, but to, to have people walk away more informed, healed, the better for it, then, you know, we're doing something very good and sacred. It, it makes, makes it all feel worthwhile then, like you're, um, yeah. you know, you're accomplishing something. Yeah, I, I get right. that. Right. So, so Gwen, I'm I'm curious, and I hope this isn't a um, uh, an inappropriate question. I I just know how hard it is to find, um, you know, to find the money to do this kind of work. Um, do you have a congregation that uh, that supports, you know, all of these endeavors that you do? I mean, do you like meet at a regular place and pass the basket, or do you just have angels that keep you going? How do you manage? <laughs> Well, you know, thank you for the question, of, uh, Karen. It's an important question. I made a decision when we received our nonprofit status now seven and a half years ago that I was not going to go for grants. And the reason that I made that uh, decision is that I have witnessed too many young 501 of uh, nonprofit organizations go off of their mission statement uh, to... Um, uh, uh, meet the demands of the grant, and I was not willing to do that. It's very, very uh, interesting. Um, so uh, we re- we do three major fundraisers a year. We'll do uh, something in September where people who have given money will say, if you've given ten dollars, would you consider giving fifteen? for example, that will be a written ask. We do a year-end ask, and then we have a fundraiser dinner that will be held in um, April of uh, 2019. We also rely on individual uh, family foundations and people to, um, I always do a very mild ask when we have an event. We don't charge, and I do a very, you know, easy, easy ask. So uh, that's how we do it, and I'm very, very um, grateful that uh, people really do step up. Our staff is growing. We now have six people on staff, and the filming is very expensive for us to do, and the editing, 
It's all up on the website. We have over 88 programs that we've done. I also want to mention, because I think it's important, um, we're, we're very um, closely connected with the Muslim community. And we did a wonderful program earlier this year called The Real Story, The Holy Quran on Women, Violence, and Peace. It was a panel of three women, three very serious um, leaders in the uh, Muslim community. That's a very, very, uh, God, the place was packed when we did it. Very, very important uh, topic. So thank you, uh, Karen, for the question about uh, how do we do it financially. And you know what? I have to tell you that uh, God has always taken care of us. I mean, we now have six people on staff. Um, uh, uh, we, we, we manage. Uh, so it, it's all good. And I'm very, very proud of our staff who make me look pretty darn good. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of, um, well, the, the generosity of being with you this evening. Well, you know, I uh, I I think it's a testament to the good work that you're doing that uh, uh, that that you continue to be able to um, stay afloat and do the work and um, you know uh, it it it's you know so and your humility. Uh, you, you know your 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 humility is inspiring as well. Um, well, we've you know, and so uh, I I hope you will put me on your mailing list. Um, I would love to keep up with the things that you're doing, and uh, you know, if you if you would ever like to um, you know send us announcements of uh, upcoming events or something, I'm always happy to um, you know make announcements on the show. Uh, you know, to local listeners who um, who really should know what you're doing, and uh, uh, I'm sure would want to come to some of your uh, some of your events. Well, um, so generous of you, Karen. Thank you. Well, I'm happy to do it. Happy to do it. Um, so, Gwen, we're about uh, at the end of our time here, but I want to give you um, give you the last word. Is there anything you'd like to say that maybe we haven't had a chance to talk about, um, or uh, I mean, or just um, you know, uh, promote your website again? It, it, it's up to you. Well, let me give the website again and again. Thank you for your generosity in there, Karen. That's very kind of you. The website is www.thegibord, G-U-I-B-O-R-D, center, C-E-N-T-E-R, dot, org. And you will see on it the initiative about women. And I would encourage your listeners to go on. The the only other thing I, I would like to add is my gratitude to you, Karen. You've been enormously kind and generous. And you've asked some wonderful, wonderful questions. And I would, uh, with all gentleness and humility, extend my blessing to every person who is uh, listening to this wonderful time that we've shared together and uh, to know that uh, each of you is a beloved child of the Holy, whatever that may seem to you, and that each of you has merit and importance in this world and to please, please hold on to that in this time of where people are truly frightened and uh, know that you are each special. 
and that you each have something to offer and contribute in this time of um, of fear. And I also uh, request that you step up where you can to combat the fear that so, in the fear that's so prevalent right now. Well, thank you. Well, listeners, uh, you've been uh, listening to my conversation with Dr. Gwen Gibord. I keep wanting to say G. Uh, I think it's because of my uh, being in New Orleans with all of the French accents. I get it. <laughs> uh, but I it's, get it. Yeah, it's, it's Gibord, Gibord, not G Board. Yes. Um, right. So the best. Best of luck to you, uh, your incredible work. Thank you for the wisdom you've shared with listeners. I know you've certainly uh, helped me, uh, helped, um, you know, sort of uh, helped me maintain my core uh, to keep going. And uh, as, as I'm, I'm sure you're an, an inspiration to so many other people, um, I'm, I'm glad to know that the uh, G Board Center is out there because, you know, sometimes it feels like, um, you know, it's it's the other people with the megaphones that are talking talking the trash that uh, are yeah, dominating yeah. the conversation. So I'm I'm glad to know you're there and doing the work you're doing. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. And thank you, and thank you for the work that you're doing as well. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, uh, try to stay cool. Don't melt. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk soon. <laughs> Perfect. Thank All you. right. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Well, before we go, listeners, uh, just a quick word from Laura Perry. And if you like the music that I opened the show with, uh, which was uh, a cut called Nariana by Diva Haley, uh, that ancient mother uh, melody, I'm going to close out the show with that tonight. Uh, but first, uh, uh, here's a... Just a 60-second spot from Laura Perry, uh, who's doing great work um, reviving the Minoan tradition. So uh, here goes. The Minoans of ancient Crete, an egalitarian society where women were honored, where the sacred feminine was revered, where peace and prosperity reigned for centuries. Hi, I'm Laura Perry, and I'd love to help bring the ancient Minoans to life for you. Explore Minoan spirituality with my books, Labrys and Horns, and Ariadne's Thread. Embrace your creative side with the Minoan Coloring Book. And discover the wonders of divination with the Minoan Tarot. You'll find all these at Amazon and other good online and local bookstores. Find out more on my website, lauraperryauthor.com. Before I uh, play Diva Haley's uh, Nariana cut, uh, I just want to make mention that um, uh, some of you who know me well uh, know about the Isis Temple of Thanksgiving. Uh, I am going to be downsizing um, 
in the coming months, and uh, I am going to be offering uh, a number of items, uh, framed prints and statues uh, from the Isis Temple of Thanksgiving uh, at very reasonable prices uh, to those who would uh, give these uh, precious items a good home. Uh, they are they tend to be goddess oriented, Egyptian oriented, um, and uh, very, very special pieces, uh, if and, and unique and often uh, one of a kind originals too. Uh, if that sounds like something you might be interested in, uh, please reach out to me at uh, uh, at Ancient Cultures uh, at ca.rr.com. That's Ancient Cultures at ca.rr.com, uh, and uh, pretty soon I will probably be sending out a newsletter. Uh, that will have uh, some images of some of the items. Uh, but if you want a sneak peek, um, uh, maybe have first dibs on some of the items that uh, will be made available to the public, um, please just reach out to me and I will be happy to accommodate. Uh, that said, uh, as always, um, if uh, this show has been meaningful to you, if uh, it is the spring that feeds you, I hope you will uh, make a donation of any amount, uh, and you can do it at my website, KarenTate.com, by just going to the Goddess Store page, and when you're at the Goddess Store page, scroll down past the books and the Goddess greeting cards and the free meditations and all the rest, and the very last PayPal button on the page allows you to make a donation of any amount, and it is greatly appreciated. And thanks to those of you who reach out with guest ideas, and especially uh, thanks to those of you who email me uh, about the show and what it means to you. Because I, I will be totally honest, uh, I, I love those emails, and they are like gas in my tank. Uh, sometimes it is hard week in and week out to sit here and, uh, and do the show and wonder who's listening, wonder if it's having an effect. Uh, so hearing from you, knowing you're enjoying the show, knowing that the content is making a difference in your life, uh, take a moment and pop me an email and uh, let me know uh, that, um, you know, uh, Voices of the Sacred Feminine uh, is uh, important to you. All right, so uh, to close tonight's show, uh, here is uh, Nariana uh, by Diva Haley. Enjoy. Ancient
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.